Hello. In this session, we look at how we can play a part in the quality of our aging and challenge how any assumption that getting older is simply about coming into more inflammation, more disease, more of these diseases of Western civilization, as they often get called, and look at certain aspects within our lives that can really help. So from environmental pathogens to the modern diet, through yoga, breathing methods, simple changes can really often help us reduce inflammation and really ease the passage of moving into our elder years. So inflammaging is a term coined by Italian researcher Claudio Franceschi in 2000. It refers to the low-grade chronic inflammation that often characterizes the aging process. This might partially explain why some older people suffer more from diseases such as COVID-19. Beyond this pandemic, many refer to the creeping symptoms related to inflammation, such as joint pain, loss of mobility, or issues related to immune and respiratory health as an inevitable sign of aging. One researcher, Tosata, and his team quoted that aging is often described as the progressive accumulation of deleterious changes over time, leading to a loss of physiological aptitude and fertility, and increased susceptibility to disease and ultimately to death, which sounds, of course, only as if it is uh, a, a wearing down, things getting worse, whereas actually we can take our uh, agency and really tune in, take care and take a compassionate and full relationship with our own processes of getting older and our quality of life as elders. So when we're looking at tendencies for chronic inflammation that really can get in the way of our quality of life. We're looking at that inflammation that is part of the psychosocial stress that is so prevalent in the 21st century and leads to conditions, chronic degenerative conditions that are often referred to as diseases of Western civilization. So things like cardiovascular disease, chronic inflammatory disorders like irritable bowel disease, psoriasis, colitis, lupus, metabolic disorders from heart disease again to metabolic syndrome and diabetes or even chronic fatigue syndrome bone musculoskeletal diseases such as osteoporosis and arthritis, mental health disorders, diabetic complications and neurological disorders like Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis. So although we might have genetic predispositions for such diseases, they don't necessarily have to manifest unless the triggers and the environmental factors, the stresses, the traumas 
are in place for those to express and manifest. So while aging is a process of degeneration, having an awareness of where we can engage in our capacity to self-regenerate also stems from where our body systems meet the stresses placed on them. Geroscience, the science of aging, considers the intertwining processes of disease. Four of the seven recognized factors of aging also tie into processes of disease that tip the balance of regeneration to degeneration, our natural cycle of life and death. So first of these four, we have decreased adaptation to stress, which can cause anxiety, overwhelm, sensory overload or other stress related symptoms such as fatigue, insomnia, irritability, depression, inflammatory conditions and weight gain. Through increased appetite and the stress hormone cortisol that raises insulin and switches on fat storage. So increasing our adaptation capacity to stress, our resilience and our ability to self-soothe and come down from stress can really intercept this loop, which can really lead into a whole cluster, a whole type of disease states and factors within the aging process across all of our mind body spectrum. And then we look at epigenetic dysregulation where behaviors and environment change the way that our genes express themselves. And there's a really large mounting evidence to show that the way we live our lives, the things that happen to us throughout our lives have much more implication than our actual genetic programming. So epigenetics, epi means above, and of course genetics related to our genes, which simply express proteins. Epigenetics is a broader way of viewing how our gene expression is influenced by factors over our lifespan and from that, and from that down the generations. So stress, trauma, disease, lifestyle, exercise, diet, pathogen from smoking to germs can weaken our immune system. And a good example of that is a, a quote from one paper that says there is increasing evidence showing that an epigenetic deregulation is a common mechanism in cancer. So again, we can this really heightens how we can turn up to our lives that the way that we're living uh, really makes a difference in how our genes will express throughout our lifestyle. And then we have macro molecular damage. Macromolecules are large ones, most commonly proteins, nucleic acids and carbohydrate, as opposed to the smaller ones. Neurodegenerative, neurodegenerative diseases, which have been linked to the oxidation and aggregation of proteins, increase with age. Data shows that macromolecular damage may be causative in aging as affected proteins can change the signaling in cells and tissues, and that can alter cellular functions and appear to play a role in a variety of age-related diseases. For example, cardiovascular disease, cancer, Parkinson's and diabetes. 
This damage is from oxidative stress, which is an imbalance between free radicals, which are unstable, damaging molecules, for example, in sunlight, fried foods, certain pesticides and cleaners, radiation, pollution, cigarette smoke, and antioxidants. So it's a balance between those damaging free radicals and the antioxidants, which are immune supporting compounds in food and nutrients like vitamins A, C and E and the minerals zinc and selenium in our bodies. And then we have derangement of metabolism. So the interruption to things like blood sugar balance, to regulation of energy, how we're laying down flat fat has been really affected by the modern diet and the increase in our stress levels and the stress hormone cortisol. So before the onset of farming, humans ate predominantly complex carbohydrates or plant foods that slowly release sugars. The refined sugars of modern diets upset our natural blood sugar balance, causing glucose highs and lows. So rather than the sustained constant energy feed that our body cells require, this can set off inflammatory responses and sugar directly causes inflammation. And we eat much more sugar than we need for energy. So it's it's sugar sources beyond that of our basic needs. And that and the, it's the sugar, especially eat when eaten with fats, for example, and cake in pastries and cakes, which really deranges metabolism and adds in to inflammatory profiles. So with stress and inflammation clearly involved, we can see a root engaging with our own health and quality of life, especially having some agency with our own epigenetics how we move, breathe, and relate to our inner narratives and relationships with others. Adding in awareness of our responses to stresses and how mindful attention, practices, and compassion can transform these ripple effects through the other factors. And we can observe an all over effect in how we engage with others and how our responses to the stresses that are an inevitable inevitable part of life we feel that we can ride with the waves more so in his latest book the myth of normal dr gabba mate talks of the wear and tear on the body of having to maintain its internal equilibrium in the face of changing and challenging circumstances Trauma is salient amongst them. He cites a Yale study in which cumulative stress is seen to increase biological aging. This ties in with studies into the role of microbiotics in mood and cognitive function in elders. This is where studies into the microbiome or beneficial bacteria have shown that relationships with these and Mind-body disciplines such as yoga and tai chi help to reduce cognitive decline and mood disorders, helping to modulate nervous system function, metabolism and immunity. Various research studies over the years have backed up these assertions that yoga and meditation can dramatically affect the effects of stress. 
increase conscious self-regulation of the nervous system and therefore slow down harmful degenerative effects. So what practices can help us to prevent the ravages of time and regenerate rather than deteriorate? Breath is what can really lead us in to a relationship to self-soothe and the breathing for our own self-regulation. In the modern world, most humans breathe inadequately, allowing them to survive, but not to thrive. Stress can cause us to breathe in before the exhale has completed, bringing attention to full, fluid, coherent, whole lung breaths, optimizes our gaseous exchange, lowers the heart rate, and regulates our autonomic nervous system, that which is getting along in the background and really is that which determines our ability to come down from the stress response and come more into healing regenerative tones. So resting into completion of the exhale and coming right to the end of each out breath can, can allow us to complete the cover, recovery of a full cycle of breath, the gathering in of the inhale and the release and the dropping, the recovery of the exhale. Within yoga, breath practices, breath consciousness or pranayama can easily be incorporated into practice, not just as separate breathing exercises, but noticing the quality of our breath within movement practice and that which we take out into our everyday breathing to relieve stress and inflammation. It's consciousness of the breath that can really let us know when our nervous system has gone into heightened stress responses and give us the opportunity to step away from that which is overwhelming us, find some space and come to that consciousness of the exhale to be able to come down and have a reset back to neutral and baseline cons conservation places of the nervous system where healing and regeneration can take place. And coming to very primal movements, moving in ways that our body is designed to do, really supports how we move in fluid ways, we move fluids through the system and we increase our functionality of our lymphatic system, that which is really supporting nervous system and immune function throughout the whole of the body. Within primal movements and these somatic motions that are being more and more incorporated into mindful yoga practices, spiraling, undulating through the spine and twisting motions really follow our natural movement patterns and this recognition that are, there are no straight lines or levers within biological forms, but we are constantly twisting and finding fluid patterns. The more we tune in with these, the more we're also able to tune in with the very fluid cyclical nature of the breath. So synchronizing spinal undulations with the natural continuum of the breath can help bring the autonomic nervous system into a coherent space.
So brain coherence is also when we can come into self-regulation through the nervous system and the front brain can drop away from more vigilant states and habits. This is a mindful breathing in motion that helps us also physically feel where our boundaries are. And it is coming to an inhale to open the front body, the front of the spine, and exhale to opening the back body and the back of the spine. So we might do this uh, in best known ways in cat cow pose on all fours in yoga or Pilates or other movement forms. We really can do this inhale to open the front body, exhale to curl into the belly and open the back body in many planes, many different positions. So that might be laying down or in a kind of constructive rest type of position where knees bent, soles of the feet onto the floor. It might be into a lunge. It might be standing, but we can really feel that out in many ways. It can be particularly useful to have some moments with those spine undulations before coming into meditation in a seated position to really help us connect with the different tones of the breath, the more active tone of the inhalation, followed by the more releasing, dropping, grounding tone of the exhalation. So our natural fluidity of twisting, undulating, spiraling through the body, focusing on space and breath, really allow us to connect the entire story of breath and body around the spine and deep into the organs through the diaphragm and the viscera above. Movement that follows the innate curves and spirals of the body can be like rolling around, twisting, playing on the ground, also increase hydration and mobility within and around the tissues and the organs releasing tension, fascial fatigue, and any sense of stickiness there. So benefits to the immune system of these types of movements are unraveling patterns of stress, trauma, and habitual movement that we can lay down in tissues, supporting healthy digestion by relieving stagnation around the belly and the diaphragm, which then, of course, supports our microbiome, which has massive ripple effects through our anti-aging potential in the body and increases our fascial slide and glide throughout the body, which relieves inflammation and encourages adaptation, not just in our movement, but in our whole nervous system and our whole being. So all of this supports how we can meet uh, a healthy, easeful, joyous relationship with moving into our elder years, reducing our inflammatory tendencies and really helping us to come into an elegant and healthy older time and coming into those more kind of winter years of our life, if you like. 